Welcome to Grace Church this morning. Once again, my name is John Ray. I'm one of the elders here, one of the guys that gets to facilitate worship and teaching and life together. We're really glad you're here with us, joining us here either by Facebook Live, listening to the podcast, here in person. Um, Today is a little bit different for our service. Those of you who are visiting, we're going to have all the kids stay in here today. Normally, we dismiss at this time and send them back, but it'll it'll be great. It'll be great. So we're going to have all the kids in here today. There is a, there is a mother's room back there. If you need time with your kid to, to um, spend some one-on-one time, there's a room back there where you can still watch the service and participate that way. We also have the nurseries open. There's nobody in there, but you can go in there uh, if you need that with that. At the end of the time that, of the teaching here, we're going to serve communion. We're going to have a time for taking an offering, sharing communion, prayer, and reflection. You, there's no obligation For you to participate in any of those, but you are welcome to participate in all of them. We have an open communion table for all who are seeking Jesus in this place. And uh, we don't dismiss by rows or anything. You'll just come up when you see the people there. After that, we'll have uh, just a brief announcement and a benediction, and you will be able to go after that. We're going to start now, though, on this day, this resurrection day, this day that we celebrate the risen King by giving our affirmation to the creed of the church, by declaring with the proof of the resurrection what we believe. So if you'd stand with me now as we read the Nicene Creed together. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and life in this world to come. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in 1963, a jar of seeds was found in the palace of Herod in his great fortress, Masada. Those of you who have traveled to the Holy Land, no doubt, have seen it or visited this high fortress built on a plateau plateau in a very dry area. And as archaeologists were excavating, they found this jar of seeds, and they kind of set them aside for research. Well, about 
40 years later, there was a, there was a botanist researcher named uh, Elizabeth, Elaine Soloi, and she decided to see what would happen if she planted some of these seeds. Now, most people thought a 2,000-year-old seed, there's, there's not going to be anything there. It'll just turn to dust. But she, they took three of these precious seeds and they planted them, and one of them sprang to life. And that's the picture. They call it Methuselah, the oldest. And this was a plant that had basically been eliminated, a Judean date palm that, that had gone into extinction through years of war and pestilence was now brought back to life. And just a number of years later, it was 10 feet tall, and then it even more miraculously pollinated and started to pollinate the palms around him. And so this whole strain has come back to life after centuries of not being there. I mean, grow a plant from a 2,000-year-old seed? How crazy is that? Yet what we saw today with Logan, what we see every day in the Christian church, is the continuing fruit of a seed that was planted 2,000 years ago and was resurrected first in Jesus and continues to be resurrected today because He is risen. Come on, say, He is risen indeed. He is risen. risen Amen. Amen. So let's look at our text and see what we can discern from this this morning. We're reading Matthew's account this morning. Now after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly there was a severe earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were shaken and became like dead men because they were afraid of him. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them saying, greetings, and they came to him. They held on to his feet and they worshiped him. But Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me there. N.T. Wright makes the comment on this. He says, the resurrection is the resurrection of the crucified one. The cross is, in hindsight, the cross of the one who was raised subsequent. Because without the resurrection, the cross means nothing. Nobody on the evening of the first Good Friday was saying, well, that was all very horrible, but at least he died for the sins of the world, so now we'll be all right pretty soon. Nobody said that. That Saturday that we celebrated yesterday, the day after the crucifixion when Jesus was in the tomb, people had lost hope, and they were left with nothing but questions. The cross without the resurrection answers very little. As a matter of fact, it begs more questions. But the resurrection 
Now that's a different story because the resurrection is the answer. The resurrection is the ultimate answer to those questions raised by the cross and the questions and many other questions as well. And the first thing, maybe the most important thing the resurrection answers is this, who God is. The resurrection answers the question, who God is. When Pilate, not knowing what he was doing, ordered a sign to be nailed upon Jesus' cross that said, King of the Jews. He had it written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And it makes sense to write it in Hebrew. That was the, not, that was the language of the Jews. But he also added the Latin and the Greek which revealed that he was the king of the empire, the true ruler of the known world, all people in it. What Pilate ignorantly signals is ultimately true in ways that we can only begin to grasp. That Jesus is king. And his life, death, and resurrection and reign are remaking the cosmos. The resurrection tells us that the very fabric of the cosmos, of reality, of all our relationships, of everything that happens to us, all of that is being remade. None of that is subject ultimately to death, but life wins with that. That Jesus is king and his life, death, and resurrection and reign are remaking this means that there are grounds for reconciliation of every and all human relationship. The resurrection of Jesus shows us who God is and what God is about. It reveals that all Jesus did, taught, proclaimed, and practiced as true. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Those aren't just empty words, friends. That's not just a platitude to be repeated. That is affirmed in the resurrection. That what Jesus said about himself is true. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. The resurrection also answers how God feels about us. About God's attitudes towards us. David Brenner, in his book, Surrender to Love, presents this, and we're going to engage in this this morning. He says, take a moment and try a simple exercise. So everybody, I want you to do this. Just take a moment. Imagine God thinking about you right now, okay? Imagine God thinking about you right now. Dwayne, you got it? Imagine God thinking about you right now, Emily. What do you assume God feels when you come to mind? What do you assume God thinks about you when he thinks about you? He goes on in his book and he says, when I ask people to do this, a surprising number of them say the first thing they assume God feels is disappointment. Others assume God feels anger. In both cases, people are convinced that it is their sin that first catches God's attention. 
I would add to this shame. In 30 years of ministry of talking to people and I ask them, how do you think God thinks about you? What is your first response? People would say, he's disappointed in me. Or he's angry at me. Or he's ashamed of me. It's common to think these things. You're not a bad person for thinking that. It's common to think that. But however common it is, it is equally wrong. That is not what God thinks about you. The resurrection gives us a very different revelation of God's attitude towards us. The cross and the resurrection reveal something very different. They defy our efforts to make God disappointed, angry, or ashamed. Think about it. If this was the attitude of God, what would be the first thing that he did when he, when he was resurrected? If God was mad at us, if God was ashamed of us, if God was disappointed, can you imagine what would happen when Jesus comes out of the grave? Mary, Mary, good goodness, woman. Didn't I? Man. Peter, I've had it, buddy. I was there. I heard the rooster. Yeah. Uh-huh. John, 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 John. Come on, son. Like, what am I going to do? No, no, no. None of that was the response. His response being resurrected proves what he thinks about us. Affection. Engagement. Commissioning, empowerment, and intimacy. None of the actions of Jesus towards his disciples after his resurrection indicate any kind of anger or disappointment or shame. And that attitude that Jesus demonstrated at his resurrection is the same attitude that he has towards us now. That is what the resurrection reveals. That is the question it answers. The question, how does God feel about me, is answered in the resurrection. Along with the question, what do we know about God, the nature of God? And finally, we see that the resurrection answers who we are Individually and corporately, and what we are to be about. In our learning guide this week, you'll see an article by Derek Vreeland, and he says this. He says, the Christian life is not primarily a set of beliefs, even though what we believe is massively important. The Christian life is not primarily a personal relationship with God, even if personal faith and responsibility are absolutely necessary. The Christian life is not primarily a religion, even though the liturgies that shape the worship and work of the church are indispensable. The Christian life is primarily, it is primarily, a way of living as individuals and as a community shaped by the Holy Spirit around the death and resurrection of life. The resurrection defines what we are to be about. 
what we are to prioritize, what we are to give our affection, our attention, our allegiance to. The resurrection should form our life. It is the answer of how we are to live. It isn't theology, religion, or personal piety that most forms our identity as Christians. It is the pattern of the life in direct reflection of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. All of the questions that we have. These three questions, who is God? How does God feel about us? What is our life to be about? Are answered in the resurrection. And every other question as well. It's cliche. It's become a joke in the church, right? That you ask a question in church and everybody says, well, I don't know the answer, but I'll just guess Jesus and I'll be right. Well, you know what? That's not a joke. That's true. In some ways, I don't care what the question is. The answer is Jesus. And that answer was emphatically and forever answered with his resurrection. To all those questions that we have, Jesus answers, it is finished. The world is being remade, redeemed, reconciled, and we are called, church, we are called to be witnesses of that redemption. We are called to be agents of that reconciliation. We are called to be ambassadors of that renewal. Jesus' resurrection isn't only something done for us, it's something done in us. And it is something being done through us in the world. As much attention that we give to Easter, it's not near enough for the importance of what it means. Everything is answered in this. As we were talking about this in our teaching meeting this week, Donnie, as he does, got that cynical look on his face. And he said, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff my kids will believe if we tell them. He said, are you sure that's what we want to tell them? So Addie and Clara and every other man, woman, child, Young, old, in here, that's what I'm going to tell you too. It's true. This is true. This is the truth. Jesus was born, lived. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He died, and he's alive now. And if you're going to believe anything, if you're going to believe anything for the rest of your life, Believe that. Because that is the answer. And the resurrection is the emphatic proof of that answer. The answer, Jesus is the answer to what you should believe, who you should trust, how you should live your life. The answer is Jesus. He is risen. It is all true. Through the seed of Jesus, life that was planted and resurrected, everything we were created for is proved good and true and beautiful. And likewise, nothing that has been lost will not be found. 
Nothing that has been stolen or broken, degraded or defaced will not be redeemed. All of it will be made new. And we will be made new as well. Believe it. Alex and the worship team are going to come back up now. And we're going to transition into this time of communion. Friday night, we gathered back behind the building as Donnie and Myra led us through the Tenebrae service, the service of shadows, where we read the story once again of the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. And we took communion that night, and it was somber. It was weighty. It was heavy with darkness, with injustice, with persecution, with death. This morning we eat the same meal, but in a very different spirit. We eat this spirit, we eat the meal today together, the blood and the body of Jesus broken and given for us. We can celebrate because that death was not the end. We can take this with joy because we know Jesus is alive. Resurrected, ascended, reigning and ruling and redeeming and reconciling all of it. So come and take this meal today in remembrance and in joy of what has been done for us. Thank you for being here this morning.
words that I have to share are pretty inadequate at this point. Father, to express what we feel about our desires. Father, we, um, we will come together again and again to praise you. And even when we're not praising you, Father, the heavens are singing. They're rejoicing. But it's not. Well, it could be. Could be. Lord, I'm coming home to you. Lord, I'm coming home to you. Lord, I'm coming home to you. Lord, I'm coming.
From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on Thank you for being here. He is risen. So I'm very excited to do the benediction today. Everyone, if you would stand and join me with the hallelujahs. We only have one announcement, and that is thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. 
and see the website for any important events coming up. But for the benediction, like I said, join me with those enthusiastic alleluias for he is risen. Since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And we also have been rescued from death's power. Hallelujah. Because our sins, he was handed over to die. And he was raised to life in order to put us and all creation right with God. Hallelujah. To God with peace, who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, provides us with every good thing we need to do his will. And the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be with us now and forever. Hallelujah. Go now in peace with God, with yourself, and with each other as witnesses of the risen Lord. In the name of Christ, amen. Oh